0: Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12, says this. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, to whom we must give account. And with that, you may have guessed, and with the singing we had this morning, you may guess our lesson this morning in the book of Hebrews is simply this, that Jesus is a better word. Jesus is, is a better word. Now, when I say that, that freaks some people out a little bit because, because they wonder, okay, well, hold on, wait a second. So, so, so the Bible is, is the word of God right so 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 the Bible is the Word, and then but Jesus is also the Word, and I don't fully kind of completely understand that, and so let's just let's start kind of there so we we can get a grasp on what's going on. So we'll start here with this truth, right God God is a great communicator, right God is is, is a great communicator, and so he gives us uh, the Word for us to to which is a revelation of himself unto man. He gives us the word so that we can read it, so that we can study it, so that we can memorize it, so that we can teach it to our children as we walk and sit and talk and lay down, all those kind of things. It's Deuteronomy 6. So he gives us his revelation of himself so that we can read it and study it and know it. But he also gives us the word Jesus so that we can experience it and see it and touch it. Okay? And 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 so one way that I might put it to you this morning, if you're trying to wrap your mind around it, is this: that Jesus is both the breath. Jesus is both the breath and the embodiment of God's word. Jesus is both the breath. That's the inspiration. Second Timothy three sixteen says, "All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training that the, the men and women of God might be thoroughly equipped for for all uh, good works." And so so we we, we take that. He's the breath, but he's also the embodiment. He is the exact representation of God himself unto us. And so this is the Jesus that we talk about. This is the word that we will preach this morning. And and we want you to know that that word is, is better. And so just four things that I'll share with you this morning. Here's the first. I want you to understand this morning that Jesus is a better word because he is the living word of God. He's the living word of God. Verse 12 says for the word of God is is living and is active. Now, how many of you here this morning would call yourself a reader? You like to read just a little bit. Okay? Right? How many of you have bookshelves that are full of books? Okay? Anybody have bookshelves that are overflowing with books, right? So you've got the books in their places and then you have shoved other books on top of them, right? In little plate, right? So you've got all the books. This is this is what our bedroom has become got books. Now, do you know what your great, great grandchildren are going to call all of those books that you read? Do you know what they're going to call them? Your great, great grandchildren? They are going to call them history They're going to call them history. Your great-great-grandchildren are going to look at the books that you read, and they're going to say, listen, those, those, those books, those old books, they're, they're history. They, because they're words that were written at a certain time to a certain people, but no matter their beauty, their story, they're still just going to be old words at some point to future generations. They're going to be old words. They're going to be history. They might even say something like, yeah... Those were the books that my great, great grandmother used to read, which, by the way, if if you better make sure what kind of books you leave behind for them to find out those trashy romance novellas. Um, Those are the books that she used to read. But check that this is so cool. Those same people, your great, great grandchildren will not think of the Bible that way. While, while the other books on your shelf will just be history to them, the Bible will never be just history to them because Jesus is the living Word of God, right? Because they're, they're not just words on a page, but, but literally Jesus is the living Word of God, and so they'll see the Bible differently than they will every other piece of literature you own. I love what Karl Barth, um, Karl Barth was kind of the, um, Barth was kind of the, the father of, of great Trinitarian theology, and I love what he said. He says, I've read many books... But the Bible reads me. I've read many books, but the Bible reads me. You know what he's talking about? He's saying the word, the word of God is living. It's different from any other piece of literature that you possess. And, and because so, it, it's better. Jesus is better because he is alive. He's active. This is what the, the early disciples found out as, as the women go to the tomb, right? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? That's what the Bible is, friends, today. It's not just a history book. It is alive and active. And as you read it, it will read you back. It's the living word of God. Jesus is better. Because he's the living word of God. Number two, number two, Jesus is better not just because he's the living word of God, but also because he is the active word of God. Because he's the active word of God. You like to take notes, you might want to know what uh, the Greek word for active means. Ready? It means effectual or effective or powerful. Powerful that Jesus is the effective Word of God. Now, in a day and age where we have more access to words than ever before, have you ever thought about that? I mean, all of the classics have now been scanned, and you can get them for free on your Kindle. Everybody and their mother and sister, there's even a dog with a blog on Disney. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has a blog. There are more words accessible to us than ever before. Yet I would tell you what we need to realize is that Even though we have more access to words than ever before. All we really have access to is more ways that don't work. (laughs) More ways that don't work. Because all those words, in large part, are ineffective. They're unproductive. Think about this. When's the last time you went into a bookstore? I, I don't know if you've been in recently, but the self-help section has become uh, two-thirds of the bookstore, right? And so you go in, and there's the fiction section, and then but the self-help section has grown. And, and I've already shared with you a couple weeks ago that I think that's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a self-help book because you clearly can't help yourself. Now you're going to go read a book about helping yourself, which we're incapable in of doing because you need the book to start with. Go see somebody, I'm just saying. Uh, anybody? And so so. But but here's the deal. Um, just just an example. I, I just want to use this more more words at our fingertips than ever before. And, and yet they're so ineffective. Uh, the week before last, before we left on vacation last week, I Googled, which if you're not um, computer savvy, that's an Internet search. OK, Googled. It's It's just a term we use now. You know, if you're just now getting on the interwebs, I see some of you. You're wondering what the computer is. It's OK. It's OK. Deep breath. It's it's you're gonna get there. So I I, I googled this little phrase. Speaking of self self help, right? This little phrase. I thought you know January first is around the corner. This is a phrase we all need. Ready for the new year? Ready? Diets that really work. That's what I googled. Just those were diets that really worked because after all, what better self-help could one provide for oneself than to take care of oneself by feeding oneself properly? And so surely there is going to be one awesome, amazing diet above all others that works for all people... Because we live in a day and age where we have more words than ever before. Surely, in this day and age that's full of all of these words, we have found the greatest word on a diet that works for all people. Surely we have. And so I googled diet that, that, that works, or diets that really work, and, and, and I'll tell you what came up. 27,900,000 results. results for diets that really work. And do you know why? There are 27,900,000 different diets that quote-unquote really work because none of them are truly effective. Because none of them are truly effective. We have more words than ever before, but those words are ineffective and unproductive. But Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is the active, he is the effective, powerful word of God. I'm here to tell you today that he works. No matter what you're facing in life, Jesus works. It drives me nuts when people say, well, the Bible doesn't really address that. That's kind of a gray issue. And I say, really, because the Bible says that, by the way, here, if you want to know the Bible, the Bible addresses everything you need in life, either specifically or in spirit, everything. You don't believe me, then you turn to a verse that says something like this in 1 John. God is is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And you say, I wonder, should I claim that extra exemption on my taxes that we don't really deserve? I don't know, because God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I guess not. Well, is it okay to tell a little white lie? Well, let's see. God is light, and in him there is how much darkness at all? None. I guess it's not. Is it okay to covet that new house that my neighbor bought if I don't really tell them about it? Well, let's see. God says, "Thou shalt not covet." That kind of covers that. And then again, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Is it is it really gossip if I'm 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 doing it and masking it in the sense of a prayer request? Well, bless old Marie, bless her heart. We just need to pray for her. Oh, you didn't hear what was happening? Let's see. We're not supposed to gossip. God hates it. And oh, that's right. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I'm here to tell you guys that Jesus is the living, effective solution for this thing called life. And, and, and he's not just the solution for what happens when you die. He's not just the solution for eternity. He's the solution for tomorrow. He's the solution for your financial problems. He's the solution for your marriage. He's the solution for your kids. He's the solution for everything that you face. Jesus is effective. That's why he's better. That's why he's better. Number three, Jesus is better because he is the penetrating word of God. Because he's the penetrating word of God. It says this. It says sharper than a double edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart you need to hear this this morning jesus can penetrate the hardest of hearts Jesus has the power to penetrate even the hardest of hearts. After all, that that is our story, right? I don't know about you, but I was not a lover of God. I didn't wake up in the morning looking for Jesus, going, Oh, I can't wait to love you, Lord. I I wasn't a wanter of God. I wasn't a desirer of, of God. I was hardened to the things of God. I enjoyed my sin. I liked my little slice of control. My heart was hard. But Jesus penetrated it because he is sharp. He cut me to the very heart. I I, I, I opened the Bible for the very first time and I found that I was lost but that I was loved. (laughs) I I opened the Bible and, and, and suddenly I figured out that there was a God that made me in his image and he was on a rescue mission for me. So much so that he gave up himself while I still was a hater and an enemy. That he gave himself up for me and I began to read about a God that was almost unfathomable in his love for me. And then I began to experience that love in these people called little Christ. As they began to love me and show compassion unto me and teach me the things about God. I wasn't a lover of God, but but God was a penetrator of my heart. You know what? The Bible still tears me up today. (laughs) Maybe you're here this morning, you haven't read it in a while. Can I tell you maybe one of the reasons behind that? Maybe deep down you don't want to. You know why? Because the Bible penetrates. It cuts deep. It will point out sin and errors. But you know, every place that it cuts, everything that it cuts away, it does so with intentionality. To make you better. It never cuts away anything that you need. It always cuts away the things that are hindering you. Right? Romans 12.1 says. Therefore let us throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. That means that there is sin that entangles. But there are other things that hinder. I'm here to tell you the word of God. Will cut away those things if you allow it to. Why? Because Jesus. Is the penetrating word of God. That's why in Acts 2.37. You remember Peter's preaching. And uh, he's filled with the spirit of God. And he preaches Jesus. And Jesus crucified. And when it's all said and done. The people heard it. And it says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles. Brothers what shall we do to be saved. They were cut to the heart. That's what the word of God does. That's what Jesus does. By the way. That's why we should still pray for the lost. Oh, pray for the lost. Wait a second. If we believe that Jesus uh, is the penetrating word of God, and we do, then then we still have to pray for lost people. And I know that's difficult. I challenged the early service because some of those folks looked at me like, well, I just gave that person up to the Lord. You know, that was their... I just gave them up. You know what that means? That means you quit praying for them because you stopped believing that God could change their heart. Don't give me that church excuse and tell me that that was a great act of faith that you stopped praying righteous, stiff-necked, stubborn one. I love you, but don't you tell me I gave them up to the Lord in an act of trust. No, you didn't. You stopped believing they could be saved. If Jesus is the penetrator of all hard hearts, then we have to continue to pray for people that we think are beyond His reach because no one is beyond His reach. It's a big deal. This is why we never give up in our petitions to God, because Jesus always has the ability to cut through even the hardest of hearts. And that brings us to our last point. Jesus is the all-seeing word of God. We're talking about things that make you uncomfortable. One of the reasons you may not read the Bible as it reads you back is that it sees all of who you are. Verse 13 says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account it's pretty tough to win an argument that knows every, with somebody that knows everything about you isn't it it's, it, I mean, it's very, very difficult. My, my wife will, will joke, and she'll, she'll say that, you know, but she's telling the truth when she says that she is God's gift to keep me humble, and that's completely true. Um, because they're like men, you other men like know what I'm talking about. She knows. Like I can try to get pull one over on hope, but she knows what I'm thinking. She even knows my thoughts. She's like, that's not really why you're doing that. It's like, oh, dang it, I'm a liar. In a much greater, much godlier sense. That is who Jesus is unto us. He knows every thought. He knows every motive. And he addresses each of those things. And one of the things that will happen when you read the Bible is that he will bring those things that you think. Like, let's be honest. If I went to your house right now, into the kitchen. Would I find at least one drawer that you don't let anybody open? Come on. How many? You got it. A drunk drawer. So well, there's one person in the church that has a drunk drawer in their kitchen. Three drunk drawers. Hey, yeah, you just show me how many drawers I can't open in your house. Five, two, take off the shoes. Fifteen. All right. How many people? You have a closet, right? There's at least a closet. You don't let anybody go in in your in your house, right? Does anybody have a room that's totally shut off? Yes, you're my people. I know I was amongst my people. You can go have access to every room as long as the door is open in my. (laughs) That other room. What you don't want to go in there. Follow me, my people, because you got to hear this. Even though your friends may not be able to see what is in the drawer. Even though your friends may not be able to see what is behind the door that you have closed off. Jesus is all seeing. He he, he knows your hurts. He knows, Some of you, even as I preach, you're afraid. You're like, oh my gosh, I think he's talking to me. I saw him look my way. By the way, I look at everybody. It's part of good public speaking. I make the rounds. He was looking right at me, I promise. I have so many people tell me that. I'm like, I promise. I, I didn't even know which section you were sitting in right over there. Um <laughs> Everything that you're afraid of, everything you try to hide, everything that you have tried to seal off, I want you to know that there is no need when it comes to Jesus. Because he knows it all. He is the all-seeing word of God. That's a big deal because that means that I, I can stop. I can stop trying to hide. I don't know about you, but that's the hardest work, isn't it? Isn't hiding the hardest thing? Isn't trying to be something you're not the hardest part of it all? I don't have to do that anymore in Christ. In Christ, I can literally come and lay myself bare before God and say, God, I am a wretched sinner and you know it. I can go to the temple and I don't have to stand up a certain way in a holy pose and pray about my own life, but I can fall on my face and go, God, mercy me, sinner. I'm done. I'm done. That's the prayer of the tax collector. That's who we are. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is the penetrating word. And that he's the all seeing word. That I can pray those honest prayers to my God. So What do you do when you start to understand that? That Jesus is that kind of word. What, how, where do you go from there? I'll share three things with you and we'll walk out of here And I'm sure you're going to be ready to get on board and follow these things. Here's number one. If you believe what we've talked about this morning, I want to implore you. Couldn't be a better time. We didn't plan this on purpose. This is just where God had us beginning a new year. Read the word. Read the word. Right? According to scripture, the word is living. The word is active. The word is penetrating. The word is all seeing. So read it. Read the word. Now, some of you think, Pastor, I know I've, I've been there and I've done that. I have done. It's a new year. I've done the Bible reading plan. I get to Leviticus and you've got to hold the lamb this way and cut the throat from this side to that side. Or, or I, I, I get stuck. I get through Joshua and I'm like, woohoo, and I get the judges and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> now I get stuck in the Old Testament. Well, let me challenge you. Change it up. Imagine that. Why don't you start by reading the Gospels? Set little plans. Say, hey, I'm going to read the Gospels. I'm going to read one Gospel a month, four months you're done with the Gospels. That's Jesus' teaching kind of covered right there. Then move on. Read the rest of the New Testament. Once you're done with the New Testament, then go read the Old Testament. It'll totally start to make sense, by the way. That's how you should read your Bible. But, 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 but hear this. I heard this when I was a, a young, stupid youth pastor and it wrecked me. Ready? We don't read the Bible to finish. We read the Bible to change. Don't read the Bible to finish. Read the Bible to change. But get in the word every single day. That should be your aim. You say, well, how much, pastor? I don't know. That's kind of depends on you and your quiet time that day and how much time you have with the Lord and, and how you organize your schedule and how much fat you cut out because there's some fat in your life, I love you, in Jesus, but you got, you got some TV fat in there and some Facebook fat in there. There's some things you can cut on out, okay? There's time you can make for Jesus, I promise. If you are too busy for Jesus, you are too busy. There's time. But I'm not going to give you a prescribed time. This isn't a prescription. This is encouragement. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's the living, effective, penetrating word of God. Just read it. So we start there. Here's step two. Now I'm reading my Bible daily. What do I do now? Now daily you let your Bible read you back. <laughs> say, Pastor, how do I do that? I'll tell you, okay? So when we talk about letting the word of God read us, it's an interactive experience. I always begin my Bible reading time with prayer. That should be the first place you start. Because uh, I love you, but you're as dumb as I am. I'm dumb, alright? I'm not a wise man, but, but God, through His grace, says that anybody that lacks wisdom can ask for it, and it'll be given to him generously without finding fault. And so I start right there. God needs some wisdom. I'm going to read your word. I believe it to be the word of life. I don't want it to be dead history. Would you make it alive in me? Amen. Okay? So now I've asked for wisdom. I'm going to read the word of God. What do I do? Now I read. How much? till something jumps off the page. I don't know how much. That could be three sentences for you. Come on. We've been in Hebrew since the beginning of the school year. We're on Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, right? We haven't made it very far. I don't know, I don't know what pace you're going to read at, but you're going to read at a pace... And here's what I like to write down. I like to write down some things, right? So I like to write down whatever, maybe you read a chapter. Were there any promises of God in that chapter? So write down that promise. Why? Because that promise is still living and active, right? That promise is still effective. So I'm going to write down any promise of God, okay? Then I'm going to write down, if we're keeping with P's, I'm going to write down a proclamation, any command of God. What's the command of God? Does God say anywhere in here? Like, do not. Now, now, follow me. If you're in Leviticus, don't write down every Levitical law. You're not a Levitical Jew. Okay? All right? You're just not. It's okay. I mean, you just, just know you're not a Levitical Jew. And so there are things that you can get away with now. Eat some bacon. Get a tattoo. Whatever. Uh, wear 50-50 polyester cotton blend. Uh, you know, whatever. Because, you you know, back then you couldn't plant your fields half and half anyway. Uh, I'll look for the scripture reference. I'll tell you later. Uh New Testament. So I'm writing down the promise. I'm writing down any command. Uh, Here's the third thing I want to ask is is, is I'm allowing the Bible to read me back. Um, God, is there any sin that you point out in this passage? Is there any sin that you point out in this passage? Now, this is where you're letting the Bible read you because the Bible talks about somebody else's sin and we have a tendency to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. That's blasphemous. Now, if I'm reading it like a history book, that's how I take that passage. If I'm allowing the Bible to read me back, the Holy Spirit's going, yeah, dude, stop trying to hide things from me. I'm like, ah, Lord. Lord, that's sin. That's sin in my life. I'm sorry, and I'm going to confess that. I'm going to repent of that, okay? And and, and then here's what we do. Then we pray to God about those things that we've written down, and, and we pray to God, and we ask Him, Lord, speak to me, right? And we we give God the time to speak. We don't just say, Amen, shut the door, get up and run out. That means that you've got to have some time to do this. It means you need some quiet time to do this, children. It means that you don't get up earlier than your father. No, it, it really means that you have to get up earlier than your children. I used to get, like, angry. Like, why are you up? This is my quiet time. And God's like, well, if you would have got your butt out of bed a little earlier, you would have been fine. I'm like, oh, I'm lazy. Okay, Lord, I get it. So now i wake up before anybody else in the house. Got to have my time with the Lord. That's what you need, okay? So read the Word, let the Word read you. And then here's the last part. It's really cool. Um, When you do, I want you to practice walking in power. Why? Because the Word of God is effective. Unlike anything else that you have tried in that self-help section, I'm here to tell you, buddy, this sucker works, right? And so you walk out in power. And here's the, here's the cool thing. Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power to be witnesses for Jesus, right? And so John 10.10, the abundant life in Christ is a life of power. It's a life of, of, of this. Facing all the stuff that life throws my way, you know what I get to do? I'm a conqueror of it. It doesn't mean, guys, our life, we've got some stuff going on right now that is hard. We've got some health stuff going on that that, that we're, we're having these conversations. And we're hoping and praying the next drug's going to work. And then we're saying, but but you know what if it doesn't? And this is what we're figuring out. You know what? If it doesn't, Jesus is not forsaken us. Because if it doesn't, we're, we we have Him and He is all that we need. And, and if we have to change our lifestyle and the way that we go about stuff, that's okay. Because may God be glorified as we walk with Him because He's the blessing. He's the fruit. He is the bread of life. He is the word of God. And so we walk in that great power. Do you know what kind of power that is in the midst of these storms of life? I mean, we've got people that are running around and we've got ships that people think their ship is sinking. And we get to stand up and say, no, listen, I know there's a great storm, but I'm not going anywhere because I've got a I've got a captain on board. And his name is Jesus. And he can just speak one word and I'm good. He can speak one word and that situation will be good if he wants it to be good. That's power. That's the power that we possess. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to encourage you, if you believe in that kind of power, it's time to start acting like it. It's time to start living like it. That's not guilt. That's just love for you. That's what's available to us, but we've got to live that out. That's what it means to be a Christ follower and a Christian.